You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Can We Talk? It's me with about two-thirds of the usual suspects. <laughs> Hello, Nicole. Hey. Hey, Shana. What's going on? What's going on today? You know, and last but not least, it's me, Anthony, at Reluctant Movie Buff on Instagram. I just want to say, for anybody that says I don't contribute to the feminist culture, I brought two smart, intelligent women to this podcast. So, you know. Well, um, I appreciate, take, take, I appreciate that. the compliment. Yeah, thank you. No, no, no. Thank you. Because, you know, I, I do it for the culture. And culture is the key word today, dealing with our theme. But before we get into that, uh, I guess we're going to. Shana, you know, so much happened over the last two weeks since we met. I feel like everybody, MGK, Eminem, Cardi B, they all got together in a way and said, hey, there's this podcast in Royal <laughs> Oak. There's this woman named Shana. She needs some news for her segment. So let's, let's all let's all act a fool. Let's just do it. You know what I mean? Let's all act a fool. So I'm, Seriously, though, what is going on? I feel like every half hour I'm reading something new in hip hop. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's just get into it. Shana's Hip Hop Corner. start with Eminem. He dropped a surprise album. Yes. Uh, I woke up, what is it? I woke up Friday morning and saw that he dropped an album. Uh, did you listen to it? I did listen to it, and that's part of my two cents. But um, I'd say that not bad. I feel like, um, I, I still feel the best album post-encore is Recovery, mm-hmm. but I feel like this is a close second. I feel like it was just Eminem just rapping, not overthinking it, but he made some new enemies in the process. Yeah, um, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, MGK, he fired back with a uh, with a diss record. Did you hear it? I heard the diss, and um, you know what? Most people just say, you know, I, I respect him for replying back, but I'd say as good as an MGK diss is, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. My man stood up for himself. Some people say, oh, he's going to get eaten alive. I don't know, man. I feel like either way, if Eminem does or doesn't respond, I'd still be okay with it. But do you think um, on the the song where Eminem, like, do you think he, like, dissed a lot of rappers through omission when he said, like, you know? See, here's the thing. I, you got to look at it in certain aspects. Some people he directly dissed. He mm-hmm. called Tyler, you know, a, a faggot, which the, the album bleeped out for some reason. I'm like, if he says something that ignorant, we going to know he said it, so just let him be ignorant. You know, and then with other people, he said, I can see why people like me and not Lil Yachty, which is okay. It's just not my style, not a diss or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then even at one point, you know, if you listen to the Joe Budden record, you know, he got a Joe Budden. Um, It's like some people he inadvertently dissed. He he called out the Renegade feature. And I'm like, we know how old that song is. It's it's like he was grasping at strongs to prove the legend he was. (laughs) <laughs> right, <laughs> like we're gra- we're grasping at strongs here to to prove how much of a legend you are. It's like Eminem, you, your your legacy is solidified. You don't really have to prove anything, which is why I'm where I'm conflicted. But um, yeah, Joe Budden responded on his podcast. Uh, I I saw the Breakfast Club interview uh, prior to, and Joe Budden was saying that he's done, like he's like retired from rapping. So that was. The only way that he could respond was on his podcast. He said right. he's not rapping anymore. Do you agree that he's done more for this genre than Eminem in a decade, like he said? In this decade, he said. In this decade? Right. As far as what? Like rappers being able to rebrand themselves? We could look at it that way. He just say, he says, I've done more than you in this decade. I couldn't say that before then, but this decade I've done more than you. I don't believe that that's true. 
Yeah. I thought that was debatable. What? Yeah, it's definitely debatable. Uh, eh, like I, he has rebranded himself, but as far as him doing more for rap, I think it's kind of he was part of the fusion between like hip hop and reality shows because he was on Love and Hip Hop a while ago, about what six or seven years ago. But other than that, I I wouldn't agree with that statement. Nicole, you got something to weigh in here? I haven't listened to the album yet. <clears throat> I feel like with the MG, Eminem MGK disc, before we move on, I feel like it was a meme I saw on Facebook that was funny. It's like Eminem, you had this complex verse going at Machine Gun Kelly. And then with MGK, you you had this kid looking funny saying, dude, your beard looks weird. <laughs> and that was his only reply. Like, like I feel like you're going against someone that's known for trolling. I mean, you know, Eminem used to be a classic troll. And it's just like, I feel like it's kind of karma. Cause I don't know. I I feel like it's I don't I don't know if it's gonna match up to anything. I don't know if it's gonna amount to anything. I don't even know if Eminem's gonna respond. But I'd be okay either way. They said he already did respond because he was gonna play some track and then he like posted a video of him just playing Pac Man for like seven minutes on Instagram. I think that was like a teaser though. I think that was like the calm before the storm. Yeah, that's what they called it. So I mean, I think he's setting up to do something. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Moment of silence. Moment of silence for uh, Mac Miller. Mac Miller passed away um, uh, by an apparent overdose. Um, I don't like how some people tried to, like, identify him in the news headlines. Like, some people said Ariana Grande's Grande's ex-boyfriend. Like, that really kind of, like, upset me a bit because, I mean, this guy has a body of work and he's critically acclaimed. So to have someone like labeled as an ex-girlfriend as an ex-boyfriend at the announcement of their death i mean it's it's a little offensive to me what did y'all think i didn't see that i did see on uh twitter where a lot of people were blaming her yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's mostly right what either. i've been seeing and she did say something back like it was a toxic relationship you know she had to do what was best for her and walk out yeah she you said know? that prior to him passing away um they were you know how twitter is Saying that, um, like he, this, like this is kind of your fault why he, you know, is like this. And they're like, I, she was like, I had to get away, which I agree with. I feel like she did the right thing, and it's not, and this is not her fault. Social media is dangerous, man. You're too close to these celebrities. I like, mean, the bigger you are, the more eyes are on you. The more people are gonna point fingers at you. And Ariana Grande is big. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's big, and and she um not to steer the conversation away from Mac Miller, but she's she's had a lot going on, like like bad things like attached to her name throughout her career that I don't think she necessarily deserves. Yeah, I, I think. Um, no, like you, you shouldn't easily blame somebody for somebody's death. You know, like this is this is serious. This is somebody passed passed away in the world, and you're blaming somebody else. Do you know how that makes them feel when you say it's their fault, even if it isn't? And then you know, I feel like words words are taken too lightly in this culture. Yes, I agree. Um, but you know, back to Mac Miller. This isn't. This is like. This is incredibly sad. He was twenty six. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's how old Eminem was when he dropped his debut album out, as well as Jay Z. So mm-hmm. he basically had he had his whole career ahead of him, and it, like he could only get better from this point. Right, his life and his career. Correct. Even J Cole kind of reached out and said, "Hey, if there's anybody else in this rap game that is going through something, reach out to me directly and let's talk." You know, that's reiterating the KOD theme. You know, the the kids on drugs theme. 
All right. So I guess we're done with that subject. Rest in peace, Mac Miller, and peace to the Mac family. Um, Condolences to everybody that loved him. Yeah. So Cardi B here. I've heard three different versions of this tale, man. I've heard Cardi didn't even. Well, I'm going to let you just summarize what happened. Well, like you said, they're like, there are different narratives. Like they're saying that she was trying to fight Nicki Minaj, and then they're saying there's something they're saying that she was trying to fight uh, Nicki Minaj's friend uh, Raleigh. Right. They both knew each other on Love and Hip Hop. Yeah. So yeah, but you can't really gauge that from the footage. Air quotes. Oh, I <laughs> haven't seen the footage. Oh yeah, there's footage of you know you just you can he- just hear Cardi B like come over here, come over here. I heard she <laughs> was just going to talk to Nikki, and then like Nikki's bodyguard yeah, elbowed right. her, yeah. and then that's what like set it everything off because you can see like Cardi B with that huge welt on the side of her head, which is now an internet meme yeah. because everyone's <laughs> making something about it. <laughs> Yeah, like I saw uh, a meme. It was like I will, like on her head, and basically not like, like I will <laughs> not, like you better not, like on her forehead. But um, when I like talk to people about it, they are like, well, like the like it's kind of been brewing, and no, Cardi B shouldn't have acted out in that way. But like. I've heard like really nasty things about Nicki Minaj, like about what she does behind the scenes. Well, come on, air it out. I mean, this is your corner here. Well, I just heard that she um, kind of like tries to sabotage like people's careers. Like, oh, if you work with her, then I won't work with you anymore. And Nicki Minaj is huge. Mm-hmm. She's she's pretty big. So I feel like there's a deep. I feel like there, there's a kind of a sense of paranoia with her though, because even with the whole Travis Scott thing, I mean. The whole thing was unnecessary. You know, even if you sell shirts and you purchase a shirt and get a, a copy of the album with the shirt, that's still a sale. Yes. That's marketing. How can you hate on that? I mean, I, I still don't understand her argument in the whole situation about saying I'm number one. He's not. But that with that, the the way they count record sales now, it has changed so fast, mm-hmm. like within the past, like since she came out. How long has she been out? Like since 2010? Back when you had to sell hard copies of an album, but now it's you can sell concert tickets and, you know, merchandise and then streams. And then also hard sales are a part of album sales now. But like with the with the streaming, like there is no like set way to calculate calculate that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I. I get her frustration, but the whole blaming it on Travis Scott and, and a baby, his baby. Yeah, like, <laughs> why, why call out the baby? I, mean, <laughs> like, I hate it when they bring kids into this. Yeah, so yeah, that wasn't necessary. But the whole um, the Cardi B uh, slash Nicki Minaj fight, yeah, it's it's something that's kind of been brewing. It has, but I mean, is it is it worth it? I mean, is it worth it? No, it's it's never worked, and I'm sure that that Cardi B is not the first person who has persevered from sabotage. Because mm-hmm. I, um, I will. They were, you know, I. I don't want to really get into that. It's not hip hop, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So, and I don't think I think Cardi B is an industry plan, so you can't sabotage her. I feel like there's a lot of money being invested in her. And these people are expecting a return on their investment, so there's no way that you can sabotage her. Hmm. 
It's an interesting point. Um, you know, my two cents was going to be about Marshall Mathers, but I'm, I'm going to bypass that. I really want to talk about the Nike ad. Mm-hmm. So Nike um, is going to air an ad. It's already leaked, but they're going to air an ad with uh, Colin Kaepernick. Um, basically, it's already aired. It already came on? Yeah, it's already aired. The, like the whole entire ad, like they didn't edit it in because the ad is like what? Like over two minutes long. Okay. Well, it's basically Colin Kaepernick saying, you know, uh, stand up for what you believe in, stand for what's right. And people, um, most likely people who don't agree with kneeling at the flag are burning their Nikes and not supporting Nikes anymore or saying they're supporting Converse's, which is still <laughs> ran by Nike. <laughs> Nike. And, you know, I guess my two cents on the whole situation is, um, you know, I mean, why what, what what really is the opposition here? Is it because is is it a, is it a Trump thing? Is it just like you're too patriotic to understand the meaning behind why he's kneeling in the first place, or to even like try <clears> to understand <throat> it? What what is the opposition here? Because I'm still lost. I don't think that's um, being a patriot. I think Colin Kaepernick is a patriot because he's speaking for Americans who don't necessarily. He was speaking for Americans who necessarily didn't have a platform. I don't. Yeah, there's nothing patriotic about. Burning things. <laughs> no, I think it kind of all roots back to being racist. Yeah, but that's like the easy answer. I want to know what what what's the root of this? Like, what's the root of this like racism or this prejudice towards this thing? Because I just simply cannot understand. Because it. Because I I am of the belief that um like with like Colin Kaepernick and other athletes, like I don't think that playing sports like that's not your job your job is to put people to sleep like so that they can um live vicariously through you and not really look at what's going on like a lot of people like their lives are football mm-hmm. so if i i don't want to like they probably don't want to hear anything about social justice mm-hmm. about when they're trying to be entertained right right that makes sense and they're like well that's, that's not what they're paying you for it's um, a sense of entitlement, but it roots back to racism. I uh, One of my friends on Facebook posted an article um, that the American Snipers, uh, Chris Kyle, his yes. wife had posted it. Um, and she's very upset over the whole Nike supporting Colin Kaepernick and, you know, putting out this ad. And basically what she's saying is, what do you lose? Because the whole title is, you know about that sacrifice yeah sacrifice and she's like you lose a top bang job like and it's it's just a job at the end of the day because her husband served in the army or whatever he was in there's a lot of controversy i read american i I, I did not watch the movie but i did all right sorry but i did read the book and there's a I, i i recommend anybody read the book or listen to the audio book, like I did. Uh, but um, there's a lot audible. of controversy surrounding that book. Um, you know, questions of authenticity because he did have two co-writers on the book. Mm-hmm. And then he did make up a story about, what's his name? The the wrestler that's... Kurt Angle? No. John Cena? The wrestler that became a politician. Jesse Ventura? Yes, there's a story in there. He left his name out of the book, but in an interview, he said that it was Jesse Ventura, and Jesse Ventura sued him and won. He was like, because he said that he punched him in the face. 
And Jesse Ventura is like, you couldn't have never have punched. Like, we've never been in the same room together. Like, there's no way you could have punched me in the face. I have a, uh, he said he had like a blood disease. Mm-hmm. And then he was showing pictures of himself, you know, around the time where he said that he punched him in the face. He's like, I have a blood disease. So if you punch me in my face, even lightly, it will show up on my face. So mm-hmm. he sued him in court and he won. So, yeah, there's a lot of controversy surrounding that. Wow. Yeah. But I recommend I recommend everybody like read that book. American Sniper. American Sniper. Well, what's the book to counter counter argue it that, that we should read after? I I don't know. I just you should read the book. He kind of it it was weird to me that he spent pages and pages and pages talking about what he did with his friends the night before his wedding, and then his wedding was like a paragraph. Man. yeah 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 i know we don't always get it right also said that he sniped looters air quotes during katrina but that hasn't been you know verified Hmm. yeah that's very interesting and those are those are american citizens right yeah and i but that was the whole thing like when i read that article i thought the gall yeah, like the whole reason why we fight, why you guys fight, was so Colin Kaepernick can fight for his freedom. Kaepernick. And I can't pronounce last names. Well. Good, I know, I know him. I just face. Um, but yeah, it it just it upset me, and it was more upsetting because it was one of my friends who I'm like, why are you supporting this? Please, oh yeah, like since Trump got in office, like people have been showing their ass on Facebook. I've seen people like just fall out with like people that they have been friends with for a lifetime. They've fallen out with siblings. Like you can see the spat oh yeah on Facebook. There you're always going to see something you don't agree with on Facebook now, and I've accepted that, and I've also accepted everyone's going to have their different beliefs. I just wish that you would keep them to yourself, so I don't have to judge you. Right, right. Well, that's what unfollows for. If you still want to be friends with them, or just unfollow them. Uh, she's like my best friend. That's like a magical <laughs> button, though. That. It's a magical right. button. All right, let's um, let's rein it in. Let's rein it in. Let's go to our key topic. <laughs> so I feel in this day and age, even like before Trump got in, I feel like cultural appropriation, you know, it's real. And um, I think we've been um, we've been guilty of being on either side of it. So I kind of want to I want to have an open, honest discussion today. I, Eric, you know, I know you're on leave. I wish you would have called in, man, because I want to have an open, honest discussion of like our thoughts about this. So um, what's your Jeff? What's, what's both of your definitions of cultural appropriation? Let's start there. I feel um or did you want to go? Uh I'll have a simple definite definition for me it's it's taking something from another culture and claiming it as your own. Okay. Or um monetizing it where the people that you uh took from the the culture that you've taken from they aren't necessarily in a position to monetize it or um it's been it's viewed as negative from the initial culture, but when you take it, you are able to monetize it or turn it into something positive in the okay. um, eyes of the masses. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. I also look at it as you know taking something from a culture, but you're not willing to accept that all of the culture. You just want to accept that one part of the culture and claim that as your own. That could also be enough. There's there's very there's many definitions and many interpretations as to what this is. Um, 
Do you guys, before we get into the examples on where we might have been guilty of it, because I know I've been guilty of it. I know I have. Mm-hmm. What, what's the example of when you were on the other side of it? You were the victim. The victim? I, I don't know. I know this has happened to you, Shana. Not me personally, but I know that um, I I worked in retail, and you know I've worn braids, French like cornrows to work. Box of braids, yeah, or you know <laughs> box braids or cornrows to work, and that was like deemed as quote unquote unprofessional at a home improvement store. What? <laughs> yes. And then, you know, you see, you know, like, you know, you know, white women or like I've been told that like, oh, you have Bo Derek braids. <laughs> like Bo Derek. I like I know who Bo Derek is. But like, well, that did not start with Bo Derek. <laughs> did not. Yeah, it didn't start with her. And then, you know, you have like a, a like a Kim Kardashian or a Khloe Kardashian. They'll wear braids and then it's like, oh, this is beautiful. This is something like this is something new, even mm-hmm. though we've been wearing braids for centuries. OK, OK. Nicole, I know you got an example. Like somebody trying to appropriate the feminist culture. Like, oh, okay. The f- I'm like, I'm white. Well, no, <laughs> I'm no, sorry. No, I don't no, experience no, this no, often. No. It, it, can, it can happen to white people, too. Now. Yeah, I know it can. It's just. Not as easy to point out, I guess, coming from my end. Um, the feminist culture. I have nothing. You never had somebody try to uh, try to uh, like like claim that life when they're not really about that life. There's like a motive behind it. I feel like we had a talk about this the other day, but uh, I'm drawing a blank. Macklemore and Kesha, uh, clown, some, something about clown on somebody or something like that. Remember you said you saw a picture of a woman and she had a clown a clown on her um her neck or something like a tattoo of a clown and your friend like you don't remember <laughs> I'll I'll come back to you. Okay, so my my example um a friend of mine worked at a power plant and um so um there's another friend my my fr- my friend is black and um she has another person that works for her that's white and they're um they're cordial. I'll say they're acquaintances. So one time she came to my friend's office and said, "Hey, let me borrow a pen." My friend said, okay, here you go. The other friend said, okay, thanks. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> and, um, you know, my friend was kind of a little messed up about that. Like, like, did you just call me Felicia? She was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and she just walked away. But my friend felt a certain way because I, the whole thing with Bye, Felicia, I feel like I understand the joke behind it. And it is meant to be harmless. But, like, when you watch the movie Friday, I mean, Felicia was... She was a, she was a crackhead. Dr- she was a drug addict. You know, she was a crackhead. <laughs> and and I know when you say that, most people haven't even seen Friday when they say it, or they probably got it from that one one off scene and straight out of Compton, so they don't know. So they just say it, you know, in good fun. But I felt like my my friend was offended. Like like shit, I I feel like you gotta have permission as a, as a white woman to say that to a black woman. I'm like, you gotta have permission. Because I was really asking her. She's like, yeah, I felt like, you know, like, that was a little offensive to me. Because do you even know who Felicia is? Or where it came from? No, and right. a lot of people don't know. Right. I mean, there's there's something. What do, what do we say about that, though? I mean, like, it felt like it's like back in the day, like, um, when you used to say, oh, this is so gay. You know what I mean? Like, like, what, where, where, where did that stem from? It, could you just call that young immaturity, or was that an, an inherent, you know, um, an, an, an unconscious, you know, homophobia we had when we were kids? 
Because I know we I know I used to say that when I was in middle school. Um well, when you're a child, like, you're ignorant. Like, I would never say that now. I would right, never right. say that now. <laughs> but, um, I like, you know, when you, I'm, but I don't know where I got it from. Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly don't know where I, where I, where that came from. Honestly, when I would, you know, say something like that. And then I was a child. It's just because other people around you are saying it. And a lot of them probably got it from their parents or, you know, it all roots back to how they were raised and what culture they grew up in. Right. And if they're comfortable with saying it, and if they're comfortable with saying it, kids repeat everything they hear, especially if, you know, you're going to school, you're trying to make all these friends. It's peer pressure. So you start using it, and you don't know the root behind it. You're just using it to fit in. I feel like there's another thing, too. Like when, um, you know, I feel like certain phrases from the LBGTQ community have, did I say it right? Yes. I feel like they've become mainstream now, like throwing shade, like um, like girl by or boy by. They've become mainstream now to like where you know the straightest person could say something like that and not know that that comes from a community that he can't uh, adapt with or doesn't even know anything about. So that's kind of appropriating their culture as well. I feel like we need to be more aware of the things we do. Like um, a friend of mine that was going to be here today, um, um, she's she's a woman that's white. It's like she knows the film Friday and she quotes Friday many times. She quotes a lot of rap songs, but she's come to the point where like, like, like let's say she says something good about a Tyler Perry movie, which she watches. You know, she'll be told, just let black people have their, have their movies. Like a black person has told her, just, just let us have our movies. All right. We don't, we don't really need the criticism or like. Okay. So I have something to say about that too. And I go ahead. Thought about it, too. So I they just put Black Panther on Netflix Mm -hmm. and I've already watched it like six times last (laughs) week. Right, right. And the friend I watch it with, I always get really excited and I do this little fist pump and I just say Wakanda forever because like I love everything about Wakanda and I'm going to let Marvel and Wakanda and, you know, Black Panther, that's their thing. But there's nothing wrong with me appreciating it. But. It can also be seen offensive, though, because my friend looked at me and he goes, oh, my God, it's so cute seeing, like, a little white girl do that. Well, it, well, that brings up another, like, can you appreciate without appropriating? Yeah. Because there are a lot of people who I feel like appropriate hip-hop, and then there are people um, that are white who I feel like they appreciate it. That's why I think that communication needs to be had. I feel like... Um, a friend of my, my friend, she can listen to T Grizzly, but she won't go where T Grizzly's from. But that's okay. That's okay because you're 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 gaining an understanding through this piece of work I'm that's not called going music. No, I understand <laughs> that, but you're gaining a piece of work of where this guy's from or what he's been through through his music. So I mean, could you be seen as appropriating? I mean, that's based on the person that's on the outside looking in. I don't know. I feel like I am guilty of cultural appropriation. We all are. Um, I attended a thing called Trap Karaoke, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's appropriation because if I was to go somewhere, if I was to go to the trap, a mm-hmm. real trap, right. and do karaoke, and they and the police come in, everybody going to jail. <laughs> but Trap Karaoke is in a venue. It's safe. There's security, you know, things like that. And I, I do feel like things like Trap Karaoke, Trap Brunch, Trap Yoga – I feel trap like, dubstep, yeah, trap step. Yeah, I feel like all of that is uh, appropriation because 
Like, there's a lot of negativity associated with the real, quote-unquote, trap, which is where they sell drugs. Mm-hmm. So I, I do feel like that is cultural appropriation. Plus, it's called trap. We need to be more aware of that, too. It's called trap. It's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Like, I'm serious. But, um, yeah, in, in terms of that, um, you know, I remember Young Jeezy spoke on Trap Dubstep. You know, he's he's the king of trap next to, you know, T.I. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah they're, they're the kings. So when Young Jeezy spoke on it, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a great thing merging trap with dubstep. But just just understand, like, when I made this music, I was speaking about real life experiences where my life was on the line and now it's being mixed with the electronica form of music. I mean, he 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 wasn't straight out saying it's cultural appropriation, but he was saying like, yeah, I feel like the people who listen to this, they don't really know where the pain is with this music, but it's good that it's being recognized in that form. Yeah. Um, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine about Afropunk. Mm-hmm. It's a festival um, basically around, you know, like, um, you know, African-Americans that are into punk culture as well. And like the recent event, because it's a it's a festival that's been around for some years, but they recently just started charging for it. And there are a lot of people who probably wouldn't have gone there five years ago that are going there now. Me, I, like black people, there aren't they they're not a monolith. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like yeah, it looks fun. But I don't feel like I'm entitled to that space just because I'm black, because I'm not a part. There are people, you know, black people that you know participate in punk culture every day and people kind of shy away from that. You know, the black lipstick, the spiky hair, the rock music, like we kind of shy away from that on a daily basis. And it's not right for me to go. Oh, I'm going to this fun festival to get some funnel cake in. But why why isn't it okay from you? Like why do we feel like certain things are elitist and not welcoming to new members? What do you mean why is it not okay? Why is what not like well, me we, going to Afropunk? Yeah. No, I it's have not a question. okay because I'm not a part of the punk culture and I don't participate in that culture on a daily basis. What if like you can see? I were to go there though cuz I just genuinely want to see what it's about and try it out. Exactly. Would it be different if I went as myself or would it be cultural appropriation if I go in knowing nothing about it and I do the whole 9 yards and you know wear the black lipstick and Is there an unspoken rule where you got to prove yourself to be Afropunk? Yeah. No, I just know that that's not my space. Like, that's not something that I participate in, like, on a daily basis. There's nothing wrong with those that do. And I feel like those that do, they need their space. They need, And if they want to have an annual celebration, they should be able to do that with people that, and without people that don't participate in that culture showing up. And now, like, and now it's being monetized where it wasn't being monetized before. That's very interesting. That's an interesting take. Some people, yeah, I, I guess you can also take the, the the stance that, well, you know, I just don't feel comfortable. I can, I can see that. You know, like I'm a cinephile. My girl isn't a cinephile. We went to go see 2001 A Space Odyssey, where, where if you've seen that film before, it's very deep and it's very slow. Um, You know, I was just amazed by everything, you know, because I was seeing a film I knew as a kid, like on the big screen. And like I know, twenty minutes in, she was like, "What? What is this about, Anthony? Like, like is, is this going somewhere?" I'm like, "Just sit back and enjoy it." I've been enjoying it for twenty minutes. Where is this going? You know, and we kind of there, there's a there's a disconnect there between somebody who looks at cinema as an art form and who looks at cinema as entertainment. So I can understand like someone saying on the other side, like, "Well, that's just not my place." It's very interesting. I like that. So I remember one thing I was talking about with my friend is where um, on Halloween, she was wearing, a, um, I think it's pronounced hijab. 
or hijab or hijab hijab for Halloween. And um, I remember she got called out for that saying like, well, you're wearing this as a costume. You know, some people might wear this every day as part of a culture. And she she felt bad about that and said, well, you know, that wasn't my intention. I just think this is beautiful. That's why I was wearing this for Halloween. I didn't mean to offend. That takes me back to when Black Panther first opened. And I kept making that joke. I said, y'all, can we talk, crew? We're going there in African garb. I don't care what y'all saying. <laughs> but then I thought about it, like, closer to the date. Like, uh, if I'm just wearing this for a Marvel movie, that's a little disrespectful because I don't know anything about this culture. And yeah. I know Wakanda isn't real, but at the same time, African garb is real and re- represents something that's real of a culture that I haven't even investigated my own self. Yeah, African garb is real, and there are a lot of um, Black Americans that take a chance by wearing that, like in, like by infusing that in their daily attire. Like mm-hmm. when you wear that, like you are making a statement. Like this is what I wear. Like I don't. Like I, there are a couple of people. You know, they wear dashikis to work, mm-hmm. and that like that's part of you know what they wear to work. So I didn't, you know, think it was uh, appropriate for me. Like, I don't wear them every day, like, for me to, like, oh, I'm put one on and wear it for just a movie. Because I feel like there are a lot of people that, and I feel like it is pretty brave, who, like, infuse that into their, their wardrobe. It is a brave statement. I feel like I, one day I do plan to go to Africa and learn about my roots. But I feel like before I even do that, I can't just do something like that for a Marvel film. It was a cultural event. Believe me, Black Panther was a cultural event. But at the same time, like, let's be serious about it, too. So I I feel like – oh, go ahead. Is Black Panther itself cultural appropriation? Uh, the comic character was made by two white guys. It was directed by a black man. The origins of the characters. Yeah. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But, you know, black people create white characters, too. Is that cultural appropriation on our part? Well, I mean, the um, one of the creators of the Black Panther comic, you know, they was like, well, we we need to um, like this is something that like that needs to be done because they never they didn't have a black like a a, a black centered comic at the time. Like they had like little black, you know, black side characters, but not like a main character. OK. You could have that, but when you have somebody like Ryan Coogler and I believe Joe Robert Cole, who co-wrote it, who expanded and bring it to real life and actually like compare it to actual cultures in Africa and make it authentic in a way, but still Marvel, what do we say about that? Is that appropriation or is that kind of bringing it more to a realistic sense? I don't know. Like they were accused of cultural appropriation when the movie came out. And then the, you know, the people who put the soundtrack out, they were criticized for not having a lot of African artists on the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. I think they had maybe one or two. Yeah, there are there are levels to this. There are levels to this. So what do you what do you say about that? About. Do you think there is blame there or do you think there's blame that's trying to be uh Write it. I think um, when you have a movie that's set in a fictional, you know, African country, you should have more than one or two African artists on the soundtrack. Okay. Nicole, what's your take? This gets all too deep for me. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. I just like to do everything. Like, I never have, like, a bad intention with the things I enjoy and what I choose to say. I 
will always do a little more research, though, before I say them to make sure that I because I don't use the term by Felicia. Mm-hmm. I do know it's very popular. I have people who say it at work, just like, you know, your friend does. And it is what it is. That's something they're enjoying. Do I think it can be offensive? Yes. Depends on who's offended. Yeah. And it's just there's it's such a blurred line between what you're culturally appropriating and what you're not at this point, because everyone is so different now. You know, the gay community can claim things that actually started with the female community. You know, it's just it's too much. I just want to be happy and not. Judge people. That's the thing. You can you can you can still be happy and still say Wakanda forever and be all happy and stuff like that. But it's at the end of the day, I think at some point there needs to be communication on where this stuff stems from. Mm-hmm. Like even like taking down the base word appropriation, like appropriate, what's culturally appropriate. You know, I just think that's interesting within itself. Where something you may think is appropriate for the situation may not be appropriate for a culture that you don't fully understand or haven't fully like got into. Well, I mean, I wouldn't fly to Africa and like run around going Wakanda forever. Uh, of course not, but you know, but you know, you know what I'm yeah. saying. But back to Randy's question, um, like Black Panther, like it was created by two white guys, and like, what do they know about African culture? What makes you think they didn't do their research? Like, I mean, it was the '60s. They have encyclopedias. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but have you seen? And then, like, like Killmonger, like. Like from the comics. I think the genuine idea was to include all when, you know, they decided to make Black Panther. You know, mm-hmm. you're getting sick of seeing all these white superheroes. You know, we want to include more of the community in something. It's basically sharing the comic book culture with African-Americans. And then the comic, it debuted uh, not too long before the formation of the Black Panther Party. And they did not. They went out of their way to distance themselves from well, I'm the black, sure as a superhero, black, I'm sure they would. From the Black Panther Party. Like this is like we don't agree with this and this is, you know, like like we didn't like create the character like for this. No, no. That is an interesting take to have. That's an interesting take to take. <laughs> That's an interesting take to take. Um I guess what I gotta say about it is I feel like even though it was created by two white guys, I feel like the film brought more of a realistic view to it because you you went from Oakland, California to, quote unquote, Wakanda and Killmonger. I don't know how Killmonger was in the comics, but they made him more, you know, racially motivated or more racially um, angst, angsted um, in, in his, in his um, character development, which I thought was very smart of the writers. Like, how was Killmonger in the comics? Do you know? He was a savage. <laughs> well, I mean, like, in what in what sense? Like, he was he was from Harlem. He was a black American. Like, he's a black American villain, and then you have this African hero. So that could be argued as well. You have this, you know, this black American, like savage, like villain. It could be seen as like anti-black American. But what if the okay. Af- what if the African was savage? Wouldn't that be worse? What do you mean? If if, like, he would, if it was like, vice versa. Like, would it be? Of of course. Like that, like we are still, you know, trying to like cleanse ourselves of the, you know, anti-African propaganda that like that's a continent full of savages. So, of course, that would be bad. So do you not think that was the good move to not no, have it was the African not. savage? It was not. No. 
So black American hero and African hero, where's the villain? What do you mean? Like, what's your question? A superhero has to have a villain. If you got, if you got the he black, ha- I mean, he has you know African you know hero like villains in the comics, but like the main villain is Killmonger, and he is African American. Right in the movie, who was a young boy who was conflicted, left he, abandoned by his family. But he's a villain in the movie. Why did he become a villain? Because he was abandoned. It's hurt behind that. I don't know if that's what happened in the comics, but I'm talking about right now in terms of the film. Yeah. They tried to write it, it. You know, it came from, it stemmed from he was brought up in a bad area. He lost his dad, and then he finds out that his uncle killed his dad, and his cousin's living this awesome life where everyone's accepted. Would that not mess you up? I mean, yeah. So I feel like with the film, there was a step in the right direction to add like accurate, well, not accurate, but to add like reasonable motivation behind yeah. why this guy was a villain. Yeah, I mean, don't they all do that though? Don't all movies do that with the villain? My argument is to say that Black Panther, the film, attempted to bring it to a realistic like like level, like attempted to actually bring realism to the character of Black Panther. Whereas, can you still argue that it's cultural appropriation when they're trying to make it right? When they're trying to add some realism to it, realism. Realism to the character, the, character. the film, the story. I don't think the character. I mean, it's a like it's a comic book like villain. Like I, it, like like that. Like he's a made up. Like he's a totally made up person. Like he's a killer, and he went to MIT, and he was part of JSOC. Like, do you know what JSOC is? It's like a group of elite killers that work for the government. I know, but what we're saying is, you're saying like black American villain. I mean that you African saying, pure hero, right? And I'm saying with this film, they attempted to like kind of put block down those walls a little bit and add more complexity. I'm, I'm saying, is that not a step in the right direction? I guess. <laughs> okay. I right. guess. All right. I guess there was some resolution here. I just all I know what to do is yell Wakanda forever and just pump. No, you're right. You're in the right place. Okay. You're doing the right thing. <laughs> Thanks. So, what do we feel about stay woke? I feel like that's been a little overused. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, woke is definitely an overused term. And then, like, it's said for any, like, like little thing. Like, it's not used for people that necessarily do their research or have been doing their research or have been speaking out for a very long time against um, what's necessarily popular. Do we feel like that there is a right thing to have a cultural police like black Twitter? I feel like it is it is necessary in some situations, but some situations, I believe, are a little overblown. For example? Well, for example, I guess the Susan Sarandon thing. I mean, um, some people like kind of came at her when she I forgot the specific event. I got to get back to you on that. But yeah. What did she do now? I'm freaking out. I love Susan Sarandon. I don't know if it was recent, but I think like um, because. Because she was such a like an anti Clinton person, she didn't support Trump either. Let's be clear. You know, she she did think um, voters of color um, for um, passing something or or voting for something that went through that that they weren't credited for. And then they kind of said, "Susan, take your apology back. You didn't support us during such and such." But I'd be like, you know, if someone's trying to right their wrongs, or if somebody has did something recently that's right, that kind of over that kind of like overpowers or. Um, 
kind of makes up for what they did wrong or a little misleading in the past, then why why bring up it the past? It depends on the wrong. Because I feel like... Um, Let me try to look it Like, up. back to, like, you know, like, cultural appropriation. I feel like one of the people that should not have been at Aretha Franklin's funeral was Bill Clinton. Like, a lot that. of people were saying that Farrakhan shouldn't have been there. But Bill Clinton shouldn't have been there. Why? The laws that he passed while he was in office that are still, like, affecting the black community... Well, go go be 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 um the be three detailed. strikes law that basically created mass incarceration. Mass incarceration wasn't a thing until he signed that bill. Right. Some people criticize Obama for not being there, or at least um not at least showing his face and being there. Some people criticize Ariana Grande for being there. A lot of people were criticized. Um, but that's I feel like that was more like of a scandal than her dress. Like him being there, like he he like like, and he was introduced as the first black president. Like I've never liked that joke. I've never liked it either. But like he was introduced as the first black president, and he you know rambled a little bit before he. That's that's an interesting case of cultural appropriation there. Bill Clinton within himself, you know, you got this southern man who you know black people they like him. You know, we like his charisma, we like his swagger, and all that. But to call yourself the first black president, even in the days of having someone as Obama who is mixed but is still black, that is a little offensive. And I do I don't really like that joke either. And then they call him the first black president because of all the like the negative things like associated with like, oh, he cheated on his wife. Like that's something that's only regulated to the black community is infidelity. Okay. So I guess the main thing was because Susan Sarandon was back in Jill Stein. Some black people on black Twitter did not support what she was saying in terms of her saying, hey, thank you for voting for this. And African-Americans in Alabama, you deserve the, uh, the credibility. They clap back at her because she um, voted for Jill Stein, I think, or something that Jill Stein. I was feel like um, like supporting Jill Stein as a white person, like um, like her running like she was the only candidate that wasn't afraid to say white supremacy and what white supremacy has done to the people of color in this country. And she was the only uh, president that actually presidential candidate that said that we need reparations to mend what has happened in this country. When they asked Bernie Sanders about it, he said it's going to be too divisive and then left it at that. So. I feel like if someone is pub- someone that I mean, for all Jill Stein's faults, <laughs> she had a, you know, a pro black um, candidate mm-hmm. in Baraka. And I feel like for some, a white person to publicly support her, like like you can you can say what you want. <laughs> like, I wouldn't drag her for that. Like, I begrudgingly like voted for her. Like, I did not want to vote for Hillary. I feel like it was a lesser of two evils kind of situation. But it's it always that way in politics. And like in the Democrats, I still run, this is a whole nother topic, but they're still running on that. And I think they need to run on something else. I'd rather have a liar than a maniac. That's all I got. That's, that was really what it came down to. And that was kind of sad. You know, I was a Bernie dude, but it, it is what it is. Um, what are final thoughts we have about this? What are, what are your final thoughts on cultural appropriation? Just say Wakanda forever. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, it's it's confusing. People are always going to be offended, offended by 
other things. I mean, it's especially now with social media being as big as it is. And, you know, you can literally look at your phone and read what everyone's thinking. Um, I think as long as you do research into something that you want to experience and if you genuinely enjoy it and did your research and, you know, gave it the recognition it deserves, it's not considered cultural appropriation. If you're going to, you know, take something from Friday or from, you know, a different culture and call it your own or make it your thing but not have the knowledge in the back of your head about it, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Just leave it. I feel like it's feel. important to have the conversation, mm-hmm. um, but respect the other person's point of view as far as if I say you're culturally appropriating something, don't fight me about why you should be able to do it. Just don't do it. That's a little murky because it depends on what, what what's being done. But, okay, those those are interesting stand- conclusions. I say... You know, do your knowledge, but don't take everything so seriously, you know, because we are living in a sensitive time. We are living in a sensitive culture. But I say um, do your knowledge, understand each other. But again, don't don't take it too seriously because life is short. Um, All right. This has been a great episode of Can We Talk? Eric, we miss you. Um, Like and share, subscribe, you know, the whole nine.